Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Maynard. Today is a bonus episode, so I'm going to keep this short. I am the guest. You're going to be listening to Matt, who is the host and the creator of Arthadian Anthology. And forgive me, I do mess that up at the beginning of the episode when we're talking. But him and I will be discussing my new book and the books that were before it in the series. So with that being said, enjoy the show. I hope I entertain you. And I look forward to talking to you again at the end. Thank you. Author Blurb Podcast. I'm Eric Maynard. If you're watching the video, you might notice that I have a different background because today I'm the guest of the show. I'm being hosted by Matthew, Matt, who is the host of Ethereum, or I always, sorry, I get, we've done this a few times before the show and I still messed it up again. Arthadian Anthology. Arthadian yep. Anthology. Yes. I listened to your show as well. And you were actually the first person to ever interview me for a podcast. And that was mm -hmm. about a couple years ago, if I'm a year or two ago, if I'm thinking right. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I believe it was almost a year and a half ago. Yeah. yeah so with that there, I figured who better to interview me about my new book coming out. I have Aftermath, my new book coming out. So Matt, thank you again for doing this. And of course. let's let's start talking with people and go from there. Just so yeah. people know, my book really quickly, it's the one coming out. It's the third and final of my series of the Bearman series about a kid that gets into trouble as a drug dealer in a small Ohio Northwest farm towns. And then aftermath is the stories after all that finished up and he left what everybody went through. I think it's an interesting story and I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. and, and what's the genre of it again? So it's a thriller, a crime thriller. And the first two books of the Behrman series is set where Scott Behrman, he's a, Starts off first book at 16, about 17, gets started working into the drug industry. And in that process, his drive pushes him to start building up his own little drug cartel. Mm. It goes through all wow. the challenges, all the little stuff that he's had to fight. It's basically the cocky kid who wants to be more. He's not from a bad home. He's actually from a real good home on one side of his family. The other side, mm. his father is, um, I'm trying to think the nicest way, but his father is an abusive. Yeah, let's put in whatever word you want there. Yeah. So he goes through a lot with his father being the way he is. And it's just a whole, whole adventure of dealing with loss of relationships, building new relationships. His, he starts off with, in the first book, he starts off with one of his friends building the whole empire with him. Mm -hmm. And not to give too much away, but if when you go on to the second book, you realize that that friend became a competitor or a enemy in a sense, even though they still remained friends. So yeah. there's a whole lot of conflicts through the books that don't just focus on okay, this character, he's pinpoint lasered on, I have to build my empire, I have to do this. I mean, if you remember back when you were 16, 17 years old, everything seemed so dramatic. Everything was so important. And All those hormones running through your body. Exactly. So like on the first one, Behrman, The Road of No Return, in the beginning of that, his girlfriend that he had for, I want to say it was several months that he had, it even states that she's out of his league, beautiful as can be, all this. Well, in the beginning, she ends up running away because her dad is an abusive is abusive person as well. And during a conflict and the mother and his girlfriend finds out that they have the option to be able to get out of town while her father's locked up in jail for being a bad word. Well, I guess I'll have to bleep that, but <laughs> he, he gets locked up and in that time they run away. So he's madly in love with this girl. And when she disappears, 
he's dealing with a whole lot of rage of abandonment from her. She was the only person he felt that understood because they both had just really POSs of a father. So mm-hmm. he felt a major loss because he felt very connected to her. So and you what? Sorry, sorry. Oh no, go on. What's uh, your question? What What inspired you to write all like this entire series? Is, is there? It, it, does it kind of take from a part of your uh, of your life? Or, kind of, or but not to try, the extreme. To, yeah, not so, to the extreme. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously. So, like, when I was growing up, I was far from an angel. And mm-hmm. my mom will tell you that very, very passionately. So, mm-hmm. she tried her best. But I did do drugs, obviously, when I was a younger kid, teenager. I smoked pot, drank, all the stupid things that kids do. And mm-hmm. then... I did do like some minor selling, selling, but it would be like if I sold a joint in school. Mm, so yeah. the thought was, is when I was basically, I moved to Maryland or the DMV area, Maryland district of Columbia and Virginia area, I had no one to talk to. So, and back where I was from, I would sit around and drink with my friends and we would tell stories and all this. I didn't have that when I moved here. So when I moved to this area, I started to put together the whole, started putting down stories. And finally, this story came and I started thinking about, you know, what if I actually pushed myself more in that direction to be a meaner, more driven towards making money, trying to build an empire? And then mm. I let that build up. And the weird thing is, is I actually wrote the second book first, Country Secrets. Oh, really? So then you, you, so you went, you went, the first went book would be your second book, and then you went for a prequel, and, well, and now you're going for So what, it, what it happened was, is the second book in the series got published first. And I realized uh-huh. that it wasn't necessarily a prequel because there's a lot of unanswered questions in Country mm. Secrets. Yeah. What, what got him into building the empire of drugs and racketeering and there is even prostitution. And the weird thing is, is everyone sits there and goes, Oh, somebody from the country, they don't know anything about that. Well, in all truth, growing up, I can tell you, I knew plenty of girls that would do about anything you want. If you had a little drugs or something to give them, Mm -hmm. boyfriends would pass their girlfriends around so that they could party a little more. It was, it's gets to be kind of a weird world in the country in the middle of nowhere when everybody's just they're trying to rebel everyone's trying to have fun they're also trying to look good to their parents and i mean it's the country world is kind of a more devious area than most people give it credit for it's a good area would you say that that your books are are a like a proper representation of kind of like how how the country area usually like operates I think it's more extreme than what it is, but okay. I can tell you that there's been quite a few people from my hometown area. And the reason I say hometown area is my hometown literally has one flashing light and rush hours when a tractor goes down main street. Oh, wow. so it, it was a good town to grow up into, but it's, so when I say my area, it meant there's small farm towns all around. Yeah. So, yeah. There's been people that's read my book that sat there and goes, yeah, my kid told me about them experiencing similar stuff when they were growing up. And so it's kind of taking it to extremes, but there is a lot of it that happens where like the drugs, they're very prevalent. I could have gotten any drug back in the nineties I wanted that you could think of. And the weed that I got was usually pretty good weed that, I had a strong, strong tolerance by the time I graduated high school and it's still mm-hmm. weed that would a couple hits give me feeling really good. So yeah. it wasn't like, yeah. and I remember we had cornfields growing around our high school and mm-hmm. kids would actually plant weed in the cornfield so that oh, wow. it wouldn't be, so it wouldn't be detected. So <laughs> I mean, that's a good way of hiding it. Yeah. So, and if it gets found, whose is it? Who knows? I yeah. don't know. So, I mean, there's all sorts of things like that when I was growing up. And there's even in one of the stories where it talks about it's the Behrman story where the teacher, his name, which I won't say his real name here, but I refer to him as Bogey 
because he got caught picking his nose once in the middle of a hallway. And over years, that just kept going. Well, the guy was a jerk. So I intentionally re did every reference to the movies, like the Consablaca movies, where the character was um, bogey, which just upset him as could be. And I found it funny. Wow. The guy hated me and yeah. probably for good reasons too. But like I said, he was a jerk. He's mentioned in the book. I do pull a lot of my past into the book. There's mm. a, um, and I forget if it's in the first or second one, but there's a story where I'm with my buddies and a group of girls and we're dared to go streaking a block down the street in nothing but a pair of socks and shoes. Mm -hmm. So mind you, the middle of the night. Well, in doing so, a cop pulls around the corner as we're running. And in the story, it ends up being just me because what ended up happening in real life is the cop followed me and I had to run mm. through the alleys, through yards in nothing but a pair of shoes and socks. Oh, so man. I put that story into the book because I'm sitting there going, you know, how can you write about laugh? something that you know? Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> how can you not laugh at something like that? It's in there going, I can give details about how cold that concrete underneath the pickup truck was mm. that I hid under. So, mm. I mean, things like that I did put in just because they're entertaining. And again, like I said, I was far from a saint. I'm a much, I'm much, much better as I got older. Obviously I settled down, have two kids. Now my wife yells at me very little. So I'm doing better. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. I, so, I, can't, I can't say the same. Sometimes my, my, my girlfriend will, will yell at me and I'll just be like, Oh, Hey, I, I didn't know what I did. <laughs> well, what I found is yes, honey, I'm sorry, honey. And, <laughs> and a lot of times I'll be honest. I do stupid things and I'm well aware of it. Other times it's we just, all do. We all that do. is true, mm -hmm. but you smile, you nod. And as long as you're in a good relationship, you say, okay, let's, let's let this cool down and then come back and see where everything else goes. Mm -hmm. So, but here's the one thing I do love is, and again, you can't on the video, if you're watching it, you really can't say too well, but on the cover of the book, is actually a picture somebody took. The whole cover is a picture from Rising Sun, Ohio, out in the country from one of the peoples in the farmlands mm -hmm. that I got. And it's my mom's house where the trees I edited it. So it's an actual oh, wow. on-site picture. So you can kind of see the tree and the stars and all that stuff. That's so, really cool. So it, it's a it, it's a full on picture of of where where you live. Um, yeah. So cool. back in my hometown, back in my actual family property, it was just such a good picture that, and I'm thinking, you know, it's picking up from the that location because in the aftermath, you ever finished a book and sat there and goes, you know, it's good. I'm happy. I love how it ended. But what happened to everybody? what yeah. happened to so-and-so and yeah, you just want to keep keep have it keep going and just know like what their life ends up being like until their deathbed and then it's just like oh right and that's and kind then of you like, know everything <laughs> exactly and i mean there's certain things like in country secrets the second book Behrman, his fiance rose it's she was a very smart girl and you're sitting there going okay what did she do what happened and did she stay in the hometown? Did she go off to college? What happened to the characters like Mick, which I don't think you're going to know any of these characters, but Mick is the guy who um, was right there. Behrman's number two, the big guy pushing the drugs. Oh, and yeah. so he was actually very important in the first book in making Behrman be able to grow his business. So, mm. Like for an example, with his story, he's trying to, he doesn't leave the home, hometown area. What he tries to do is pick his life up after trying to figure things out. And in doing so, he ends up facing somebody that, because, you know, you never, your history never gets forgotten in, forgotten in a small town. So a young snot-nosed kid remembers the stories of him and Behrman and all this, the things that happen to where he's literally trying to, this 
kid is trying to build up a name and wants to be as big as Scott Behrman it was. So Mick trying to get his life back in order, get away from all the craziness. He has to deal with this kid coming in and trying to one, make himself look like he's as big as they were. And when he, Mick didn't accept him, he gets angry and that's just blows up and causes a whole story to go through. And it's a story of what Mick has to deal with to close that chapter of his life for good to be able to move on and be successful in his life. So, I mean, there's several stories that just go on like Rose, the fiance, what she has. There's even the Mark Himley, the guy that was the friend that helped start the whole thing in the first book. Even uh-huh. in the second book, something happens and Mark leaves. And this tells you, kind of gives you an insight of after Mark left, he started building his life in a whole different state, in a whole different area. And Mark just never wanted to be the villain. He didn't want to be a villain seen in any way. And that's kind of why he ran away. Mark came from a crappy homestead. Parents were drug addicts. Brother was just a POS himself. I mean, it was really not a good situation for him. And everything he did was to try to help his family. After things happened, he's like, you know, I have no reason to stay. He left. And this goes into telling also in aftermath what he did. It's actually, his story is actually a very thrilling story that kind of got me excited as I was writing it, which a lot of stories you can read and sit there and go, you can get excited about, you can be like, holy criming. I didn't know that that was going to happen or where did that come from? Or I can't believe that just out of standard everyday life, that something little, because people that don't face or don't have the background. So they just kind of let things go or they stand back and they watch. And if something happens, they're like, well, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. They're they're just the spectators on the side, on the sidewalk while, while someone's getting pummeled in, in in the alleyway. Right. And like in Mark's story, he's not that guy that just sits there. Like I said, he doesn't want to be the villain. He's trying to rebuild his life and make it into what he wants. At the same time, he sees something that he knows is not right. So he jumps in and tries to make things right, which kicks off his story. And there's kind of a surprise of who he's telling all this to. So, which I don't want to get too much into that with the fact of it's a surprise and it's kind of a fun part. So, but as you go through it, all the stories tie in together to make one big story of there's a theme to it leading up. And some of my beta readers have even said that they can't believe it seems like completely different stories as you read them. But if you think of them all as all as one. Yeah. So it's almost like an anthology because like for, for my, for my sake, when, when I write my own, stories and going going through each each one i try to i try to plant seeds to allow me to like come back to the original full overarching plot line but i allow each each individual story to be its its own separate entity right and like what was the last and mind you this is going to be aired probably by the time you get another show out but the last one was (laughs) where the challenger or the champion, the, the, I think the, it was. The champion, yeah, yeah. So, and then after that was, was it after that was a virtual reality challenge or they're trying uh, to challenge so, for, for so a right um, now, position? I, I have, I have multiple different, uh, storylines, different storylines going on at the same time. And okay. they all kind of intertwine with each other because of this larger cosmic threat that is, that is eventually coming. Right. But, but, but basically it would be like, there, there is one storyline where it, it's focused on on a single world, um, mm-hmm. and then I have a separate I have a separate one like going on that is like a, an actual series uh, that falls into this idea of a virtual simulation, a, a virtual reality that that life when when you you con- you upload your conscious mind into this this celestial supercomputer, and this virtual reality when you die, your mind will go there. And okay. the, 
the main the main character right now he is he is going through this he he had to dive into this virtual simulation before he actually died and has to find a a conscious mind that had already died many many uh many millennia ago All but right. he has some kind of information that he needs to find through this person that's, okay that's I, was kind of say, I think that was the one i was just listening to and i'm sitting there going you know that sounds interesting i want to know more so like I'm looking forward to that next episode of that series coming out. Yeah. So that was a fun one that I just listened to of your show. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you understand well enough that you kind of try to tie everything together, even if it is different storylines, because you have that baseline or that yeah. world that you're trying to stay in. So like do you, you said, do the you anthology. Ha- do you have like a, an overarching plot line in, in your series that like, that isn't, it's not necessarily um, like the most prevalent plot, it's just more hinted at, and and it's more like foreshadowing elements throughout it until finally all the pieces are finally there as like as a full puzzle. Would you say you do it that way, or do you no. or do you try to make it more uh, like elaborate? I make it more of a labyrinth of in the sense of you have to walk your way through it to figure out what's what's happening there is a logical progression through everything mm-hmm. and sometimes progression like the foreshadowing makes sense but in these it's all meant to be people's real lives and in real life you don't get mm-hmm. foreshadowing it's almost like they're most like the first two books are all written in first person so the yeah. guy's not going to know oh well because of this drug deal this is going to happen or people's going to think this or whatever it might be. I do use things from where you can sit there and say, okay, like for an example, in country secrets, there's Mm -hmm. almost two events or three different events going on, not at the same time, but the beginning starts with a, the first event where he's trying to deal with a conflict and that conflict could cost him his life. And as he works through that, he ends up dealing with another short-term conflict that's probably maybe two or three chapters long that as he works through it, he solves it, but that also has a chance of bringing back a um, issue down the road. Mm. The third, The third one goes through the entire book where somebody that's supposed to be a close friend who's jealous of him ends up being a adversary and an enemy to him. Somebody that he considered a close friend, which he became friends with in an odd way, which is explained in the first book. So, I mean, there's, and like I said, the first book actually tells more about how things came together. Mm. And the second book was more, here we are, this is what happened. And then, it follows through. So by the end, you're sitting there going, holy, holy criminy, how did this, I didn't even see this. And if you actually read the books, a lot of the locations that are mentioned, not a lot, almost every one of them are real places that are in my hometown areas, places I've been to, things that are still there to this day. So like there's a lake, a little lake outside of a town called Fostoria that I mentioned in there. There's a park in Rising Sun with a little maintenance area in the back that not many people know about that's still there. I mean, there's all these different things. And growing up originally, like the maintenance little area in the park, I grew up years going, okay, this is this section of the drive of the little track that went around the park because in small towns, your park is a big grassland with a running path made of stone and some little bit of equipment, a baseball field and a lot of grass. And that's it. Nothing fancy. And that is the whole park. But I spent years playing there. I played basketball there, broke my ankle in that park all because somebody fouled me in basketball. Wow. And that a whole nother story, but I walked, I think five blocks on a broken ankle with my buddy, buddy having, his head, his shoulders under my arms, helping me get there. So mm. not the funnest of times, but life goes on. 
And I can't even remember the guy that did its name at this point. Just remember the story. But yeah. and that's kind of you how I remember the pain. Oh, it dawned on me the next morning. I thought I just sprained it. Next morning, <sighs> I tried to walk down the steps and I put pressure on it right as I stepped on the step. Next Ooh. thing I knew, oh. I was rolling down the steps. Just it was Ow. horrible. So oh. but Ow. things happen. Um so so what time what time period is does your stories do your does your series take place in? So it all takes place in well, the first two books take place in the mid and late nineties. So okay. I try to stick to those themes so you'll you don't really see cell phones in there because cell phones very few people had them. That's back when mm. they charged like ten dollars a minute kind of a thing. Yeah, I, 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 I remember, remember those days. I was like, I was a kid those days. So yeah, so yeah. I was actually just graduating high school when cell phone, the old um, Nokia phones came out. Which oh. I don't think too many people is going to remember the Nokia phones. No, the di- but, the dinosaur phones. That, yes, that, uh, the ones that but could survive thing is a nuclear this, apocalypse. I'll tell you what, though. I remember my first cell phone, that thing. I would charge it on a Monday and then not have to charge it till like Wednesday, Thursday. And yeah. it was just because I was going on a trip and I'm like, okay, I want to make sure I have battery. <laughs> so, I mean, it's one of those things that people didn't talk all the time on the phone. People, they went to see each other. That was back in the pager days where you would get a bunch of numbers across the screen. You'd go to a payphone, look at the numbers on there and go, okay, that's what it says. I know who's doing this. Mm-hmm. I know what the message is. I mean, that was kind of the original text messages I grew up with. Yeah. So you had to decode messages from a pager. That wasn't the text pagers, but the numbers. So yeah. that's when all this takes place is back in those, day, those days. So it does bring quite a bit of that back. And like I said, I made sure that my memory didn't fail me. So I did go back and look saying, okay, was this actually accurate back then? Or did this come (laughs) before or later? So, because of course, all of our memories kind of fade on us over the years. We remember, Mm -hmm. oh, when I was a kid, I did this. And then you're sitting there going, wait a minute, no, that wasn't around at this time. So it's one of those things, just like I remember listening to um, a song that I loved. And I was thinking about putting it into the book as one of those, you were hearing it as driving down the road. And then I realized it didn't come out till the like 2005 or something. And I'm like, yeah, our our memories really mess with us too. Yeah. I I know that there is a, there are actual like studies where basically when you have, when you have a memory, your brain will actually like rewrite them over and over again until finally they're completely different. Like you, you'll, you'll extract, different memories from a specific time and put them into one specific area. And you'll think that, Oh, this came out during this time. And it's pretty crazy to think think about. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have just, our minds have so much information in them and Mm -hmm. that's kind of like, I always like to say almost everyone has a story in them. Everyone could Mm -hmm, write a novel if they, the problem is, is trying to put together the plot for it and put everything in order because hell our minds make up stories left and right about story. Storytelling is the oldest human tradition. Yes. I've heard that as well. And I believe yeah. it because everything was been passed down before written language and eventually it became written language. And even today you talk to your friends and you're like, so what did you do? Oh, last week I was doing this with so-and-so and, you're sitting there thinking, okay, that sounds kind of right, but wasn't so-and-so with here or there trying to do that. So it's a whole, your memory plays tricks. Everyone still tells like written because no one's going to write down Saturday. I was doing this. It was completely boring. Unless but, they have a journal yeah, or a well, diary. People. Yes. But are you sitting there in your journal or diary? writing down every little detail or do you just summarize the whole event? Yeah. True. Yeah. So, but when you tell a friend about something that happens, you'll summarize it. Then you'll go into details about all these different things. So and usually you'll, you'll embellish it. You'll embellish the story. Oh yeah. Too. And Make I yourself seem better than you actually are. Oh yeah. Well, it's like <laughs> any guy 
almost every guy I've met, I'll put it this way, when I've talked with them, we all had the habit of, especially when we were younger, when you talk to your buddies about going on a date with a girl, this and that, it's, mm-hmm. and I, earlier on another show, I mentioned this and talked with another author about this, where it's just that event where you sit there and say, well, we had this great time. I kissed her. She was up against me. It was just hot and steamy and it would have gone farther. But, and in all truth, what most likely happened is she held your hand and you ended up driving her to dinner, driving her to the movies or driving wherever. And then Mm -hmm. afterwards she gives you a kiss either on the cheek or on the lips. And to you, that was just amazing. You get excited, but you're trying to act cool. But Mm -hmm. of course, when you go to talk to your buddies, it's, a whole world difference of I did this, I did that. It would have been more, but ego boost. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm all this. And it's not that we intentionally lie. It's we get excited. And in that excitement, you start adding stuff to it. You get all that adventure that you think should have happened or you felt was about to happen, but Mm -hmm. something happened that didn't allow all that to happen. And what I think a lot of authors will do is they'll take that mindset and especially like people that do what's called pantsing or discovery writing, they'll Mm -hmm. sit there and they will start writing and then get excited. Oh, I get this. I I'm doing this. This character's doing this. What a wonderful time and what an exciting thing. And one thing leads to another. And I've, listen to people talk about how they've done outlines for their books and in the midst of it they've had to rewrite their outlines throughout because they got excited writing a scene which Mm -hmm. just went way out and then changed a bit of the story so they had to redirect everything and that's what happens you get excited about a story you add stuff you embellish you make it bigger and that's why people read the stories is they want that excitement they want that you want that heartthrob of oh no, I can't believe that happened to the person or the excitement of they're in that fight. Are they going to, who's going to get hurt? Who's going to make it out? Who's going to, whatever it is. I think in any genre you look at, so an example, like your last show, you had the VR, the guy had to go through a challenge and it was a difficult challenge. And if he didn't make it, he was going to be kicked out and he was worried about his placement and all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's that whole buildup that whole excitement you're getting excitement and even listening to you talk about it on the show you could hear the excitement that you had talking about it yeah, so I, I got pretty excited during that show yeah, because so, I, mean, I was so i was waiting for that moment <laughs> right and that's kind of the thing is as you're building a story you're building that excitement that wow moment if it's a vr session if it's a spaceship about to go into battle it's if it's finding out who is trying to stop you from the succeeding, whatever that moment is. If it's a romance novel, which I'm horrible about romance, but <laughs> if it's a romance novel where you have your character, that big reveal of, hey, this person is going to admit that they love me or they they need me, whatever it is. It's that buildup, that pulling the emotional strings, either horror pulls your fear and your excitement Romance is your heartstring, the adrenaline pumps that come from all these different areas is why stories are there. Um, in all truth, I've come to find that a lot of authors tend to find that they can burn out the story real quickly if they do too much of that. So it's mm-hmm. that yeah, you have to get it built up, but you can't just pull it out as well. And I try not to do that in these stories either. I try to make sure that everybody's drawn in, it builds up, and then there's a the air is being slowly let out so you can feel the pressure yeah, you, leaving. Because yeah, it can't be like a huge a, a burst or else it's going to feel kind of anticlimactic at a certain point. You have exactly. to you have to have a good build up and then allow the pressure to release slowly right. so that you can just feel you feel the entire emotionality of, of everything that's built up be released. Exactly. And I mean, you have to, you have to have that attention, that adrenaline, like I said, in any genre, 
even with your stories that you do, that whole buildup of what's going to happen, who's going to make it, who's going to give that reward. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't have it where it's a constant thing in my books. It's you build up, you'll have emotional where your heart's sitting there going all crime. I can't believe he had to deal with that. Or in aftermath, I can't believe that this happened. That's sad to hear. That's wonderful that he got this mm-hmm. or whatever it might be. I mean, you have to have that in everybody, or I can't say everybody. There's been a lot of people that's read, read the books that I'd never even talked to, but the people I have spoken to that's read the books have told me that they enjoy. It's not a complete build up just for that letdown. I've, I've read yeah. books where you just end up so excited and you're getting built up and you're sitting there going, wait a minute, there's only so many pages left. And next thing you know, it's like a balloon pops. Everything collapsed. Everything is destroyed. The main character is either laying in shambles and then they end the book or the main character is standing there victorious, looking like a God. And you're sitting there going, well, that just built it up for no release. So you mm-hmm. feel like there's something missing afterwards. So yeah. that's that's one thing that my books do avoid. It doesn't just build it up. It gets you there. And then it gets you just feeling the attachment. And like I said, the pressure releases off with the slow understanding of what happens so that you can feel that you have that that closure to the story. Mm-hmm. And it's like a nice, nice wound up conclusion that makes everyone feel sometimes not, not good because you know <laughs> it's the end of the book. It's the end of the series. Right. And, and all that. Right. That's, and I mean, yeah. I hate to say it right now. So one thing is, is if you, if you read it, there's room for me to take and leave these, this trilogy as a intro or a origin stories, I guess you could call it of, another series I'm debating on mm. it's so I'm, I'm looking at either one of two options. I've, I've been dabbling a little bit with sci-fi and okay. I've done, I've done probably I enjoy four, sci-fi. five chapters and it was a sci-fi fantasy kind of mixture. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just had to trash that story because after so much, I got to a point I'm like, okay, I can't do this. Now I'm kind of looking at another option where it's a mixture of, um, because ideas, everybody that ever puts together a story knows that everybody has ideas. There's thousands of them. I mean, mm-hmm. my ideal list of stories would probably be enough to fill a novel in itself. So, I mean, I'm sure you have a list of things that you're sitting there going, okay, I can do this with this. I can do this with this. I have a little bit too much. And <laughs> I it's it's upsetting because, you know, when you, when you have so much, so much that you can do, but you you just one person, and and you can't spread yourself out too thin, or else you're you're never going to finish the things that you actually want to finish, that you actually need to finish in order to be able to get to those next things. Exactly. Uh, thankfully, I'm young enough to be able to <laughs> like finish the things that I'm working on now, and then work on the other things. But I mean, well, you can all... also experiment a lot too with what you're doing and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. where you can go because, and I've said that I think that you should put some of this into a novel, some of your stories into a novel. Actually, that's something I've, I'm starting to do. I actually started it yesterday. Um, <laughs> Very good. Uh, but my next saga inside the, inside the podcast, my plan is actually to write it out as if it is like a, a novella okay, and, and then potentially publish it as a separate thing and have it be a, a connected thing to the actual podcast story. Okay. Well, when you do that, definitely let me know. I want you on the show so we can have that go through as well, because yeah, I'll prom- like I said, I do get into your story, so I definitely would enjoy that. Plus mm-hmm. I always do enjoy talking with you, but yeah, yeah I mean, with that being said, it's, there's so much to be discovered and with stories, I know that my stories, you have Bearman, A Road of No Return, the first book in the series, Country Secrets, 
which is an exciting book in itself. And mm-hmm. then the one that's coming out called Aftermath, Aftermath that's yeah. a collection of short thriller stories that basically is a buildup of telling the story after the story. Even in mm-hmm. my dedication, I put in there that it's dedicated to all my friends from my past because as my stories with them ended and over years, I found out different things that's happened with them, this and that. It made me realize that just because my story with them ended, just like my as well with them, they no longer have me in their story. The story mm-hmm. still goes on. So yeah. there's more to the story than that goes on after the end of the story. It's just, it's a whole different story. And that's mm-hmm. what this book aftermath is doing is giving you that closure of what happened to these characters. You built up that connection. And I, I guess I kind of also felt like a withdrawal with them. Like I need to have closure myself with them because you build up that attachment in stories. And I was being honest with being honest. I was getting kind of tired of the story and I'm sitting there going, okay, if I do a third book, and I do a third complete novel instead of short stories, it's just going to make the series much longer. So closing this up gives me the option of either doing the other tri- the other series where yeah. I can build off of that, or I can try another series that I'm looking at and I'm trying to see if I can pan it out, which is kind of a mixture of, do you know the Dredston files? Um, I, don't, I don't believe so. All right. Great books. The author's amazing, and he has a ton of these books out. It's a sci-fi about a wizard that lives in Chicago. It's all these things. Yeah, I mean, there was what got me turned on to it originally was um, years and years ago, there was a show called The Dresden Files on TV, which is based off of these books. I fell in love with the story off of that TV show, and then... When I got into audiobooks, I started listening to the Dresden Files, and it's one of those that, like I said, a wizard. It's taking modern day things and mixing it with the whole world of existing. So it's not we're just going to fill something in. The guy, his name is Jim Butcher. It took me a second to remember. Like I said, he has a ton of out. He's an amazing writer. So, but I kind of took the concept of that. And then there was a TV show years ago called sliders where these guys are going, they go through a portal and they go into different versions of the world, different, you know, the multi universe theory though. So basically taking that theory, the multiverse theory and taking the Dresden files and trying to match them up together where this guy lives on earth and He's getting away from his life on another dimension, another planet, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to start over, but he gets dragged back in. And I'm working out that storyline to see if I can make it something that's worth doing. But it's kind of why I ended the Bearman series like I did so that I have those options. I mean, there's a lot so you can to go do into different things that you want to explore because of all those ideas. Oh yeah. And, in our head. Exactly. And I mean, in all truth right now, I'd love, I'd love to explore them both, but mm-hmm. between the podcast here, the fact of the kids, Which I love and, by the way. Oh, I appreciate that. And again, I can't thank you enough for hosting me. I appreciate you coming on and doing that, but yeah. with the show, with the family, I do have a full-time job that helps pay for the bills. With yeah. all that, writing time kind of gets a little slim. So mm-hmm. you have to pick one project at a time because, I mean, in all truth, most authors, when you're putting something out, unless they're either retired, most everybody has a day job because when yeah. it's very few people that has that kind of living that you can sit there and say, I make enough off my books where I can pay all the bills. I can live happily send my kids to private schools, blah, blah, blah. Most authors don't have that. I think I read somewhere where most authors, the standard is, is they'll make about 10,000 a year off their books. And 
mind you, that varies from author to author. Some authors yeah. do more, but if you're putting out one, two, three books, you're not paying your bills normally unless you're extremely good at marketing because being an author is also a big part of marketing, talking with people, obviously, getting your name Going out. Going to book signing events. Exactly. Connecting with the readers however you can. Again, yeah. part of the reason for this show is to connect people to the readers. So things like that is a big part of trying to get the word out and make people say, okay, this is good. I like what this guy has to say or a girl, and mm -hmm. I want to read their books. So as time progresses, we all have lives that have to be balanced. Now, mind you, someday, either when I retire or if I get amazingly lucky and one of my books get discovered and blow up and next thing I know, everybody's buying it, where I can work from home writing every day. I don't see that happening anytime soon. But until it does, I enjoy when people do message me or review my books and tell me if they like it or not. Hopefully yeah. they like it and leave five-star reviews, just like I hope they do on the shows. Not that I'm... You have, you have a good day when that happens. <laughs> you, you hear that audience? You got you to gotta leave reviews, good reviews. Even, yes. Even, even if they're like, you're still criticizing, but, but it's constructive. It has to be constructive. Oh, well, yeah. None of that, none of that crazy stuff where you're like, I hate, I hate this, this character because the writer is stupid. Kind of well, like one thing I've, I've read one star reviews where they put things that, and I kid you not, they would write about a, a story that was a fantasy story and mm -hmm. they left a one star review because it was a fantasy story. You're sitting there going, you don't, don't leave the review. Then. Yeah. If you don't even the, read the book. Well, if you pick the book by mistake and they'll, people will put that in their reviews. I accidentally bought this book. And I, because I thought it was about this and instead it was about all these fantasy things and I hate fantasy and you're sitting there going, you just messed up with somebody's rankings and ratings because you made a mistake. So yes, if you're going to leave a review, make sure you're reviewing something that you intentionally purchased or intentionally chose to do. Not, mm -hmm. I did this by mistake. I'm going to let everyone know that one, I don't know what I'm buying. And two, I'm reviewing something because I don't know what it was and I'm angry about it. That doesn't help yeah. anyone. So yes. And preferably if you leave five-star reviews on everything I do, that would be fantastic. You don't even have to put words down. Just hit the five stars. Just hit the five stars. Just hit the five stars. Leave it at that. We're good there too. <laughs> so, we've talked for about an hour now. So with that- wow. I, this goes quick, and that's again why I wanted you on here is because I knew that you'd be a fantastic host with this. There's a mm. reason I listen to your shows, and I think other people, especially those that get into the fantasy sci-fi, really, you're not much fantasy. You're more just strictly sci-fi in your sense. I would I would consider it sci-fi fantasy just because like I don't I don't my my universe my world is not is not Earth. Right. It, it's completely like all, all the core system. It's kind of like, kind of like, uh, yeah, exactly. It, it it's kind of like Star Wars. I, I I take from Star Wars where okay. Star Wars is a galaxy far, far away. Right. And there's no Earth there. They do have humans, but in my right. in my universe, it's not. They're not considered humans. They're considered prime. Um, right. But that's for like lore reasons. But yeah, it, I, it, I think more. It, I think more along the line of um, Starship Galactica. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. they're in a whole different galaxy, a whole different area. There's humans, but they're not humans in that sense anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, makes sense. So with that being said, I appreciate you hosting. I'm going to end it because I just don't want to have people listen to us ramble on because I have a feeling, I think last time we talked for almost two hours, I don't want yeah, do to <laughs> I don't want to do that to people again. So where uh -huh. can people find your show? You have a website. Where can they find that? If you can give them that information, because I want them to find you as well. Mm -hmm. So my, you can find all of my content on arthadiananthologies.com. Uh, so it's, it's A-R-T-H-A-D-I-A-N.com. Oh, arthadiananthologies.com. Uh, and I'll have and, the website in the notes. 
Yeah. And, and uh, you can find my podcast on practically every podcasting pl- uh, platform that you, you use as well. Uh, and it's Arthadian Anthologies podcast. I go into a bunch of different storylines inside of it. I try to dive deep into my universe that I've created. It is an ever expanding one and I plan on making it a full on, uh, it's a, it's a new expanding universe where other people can come in and, and write their own stories within as well. And well, that so that, sounds that's, good. that's my whole goal in the future. Right now I'm laying down the foundation, but yeah, that, that's, that's it. Arthadianthology.com. Right. And I think you're on your third season as well, or is it the fourth season? Yeah, right? I, I'm, I am going to be en- finishing my third season, uh, in by the end, by the beginning of July is when the third season will be finished. And then I'm going to be taking a hiatus and working on my tabletop role-playing game and right. focusing more on that. Okay. okay. Well, sounds good. And thank you again. And for anybody looking for me, you can find my profile on authorsblurb.com, my author website, eamaynard.com. All this is going to be in the show notes. And of course, I'm going to pitch this all again in the finishing notes that I talk about after the show. But Matt, Mm -hmm. if you can hold on for me for just a second, I'm going to stop the recording. And again, thank you very much. So hopefully I entertained you. That was a conversation I know was a bit long, but I think that it was good. I always can talk to Matt for quite some time, and it's hard for him and I to be able to schedule these kind of conversations. So... I encourage you to also go to his show, Arthadian Anthology. Listen to him, especially if you're into the fantasy sci-fi kind of thing. I think you'll enjoy him. With that being said, don't forget to go to authorblurb.com. There you can find profiles on the guests that are coming or the guests that have been on the show. You can find past episodes to listen to or find where you can listen to the episodes on your favorite streaming service. You can also go there and click on the tab that says show support on show support. There's three different options right now. You can either donate by buying me a cup of coffee. You can donate with crypto. And now you can also buy my books. If you want to get something a little extra out of your money, because it doesn't hurt to support the authors. With that being said, thank you again. I look forward to seeing you soon. And if you enjoyed the show, give a rating five star thumbs up wherever you're listening or watching, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.